0: Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before we begin, if you haven't subscribed to whitelabelamerican.com, what are you waiting for? Please do that. Like, share. You can donate over there, buy our merch. And if you truly enjoy what we are doing, hey, you can join us on Patreon for as low as $3. Or you can do the Jeff Bezos team. You know, I'm black and bald, so you can give us $100 million if you have to spare. But, um, hey, $20 is fine. But um, yeah, we love you and keep showing love. Um, special shout out to my Navy mama, Toya. Uh, we appreciate your donation. And yeah, so keep the love coming in. Thank you very much. So I'm not going to give a recommendation today because I just turned 40. It's my first recording after turning 40. And I'm still in a celebratory mood. So yeah, we just celebrate me. So yeah. I'll find something to recommend um, at the next recording after this. But just enjoy. Go read up or watch the stuff I've been recommending all this time. Enjoy. But um, by the end of this episode, you'll definitely have some wonderful stuff when you meet today's guest who I'm so honored to have. So who's today's guest? I have the great honor of having Mr. Talib. Jasir. Who is he? He's a storyteller, he's a founder, he's a visionary, he's an author, podcast producer, and advocate for people and um, people and our collective power. He's the guy who is behind the, the Afros and Audios Festival. He's the founder. And uh, this festival is something that I came into a few years ago, and I never realized how Important. This festival will be to me, and I, I've loved that festival since then. But there will be more about that because I, I, you just need to hear from this brother because um, he has been impacting me in so many ways without my knowledge. So, welcome to the show, Talib. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: And I, I didn't even touch on so many things because you have a lot going on that I'm like, wow. This, this, this gentleman. I mean, you, 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 you write you. Man, man, there's a lot. Well, let's just dive in because I might just spend forever talking about just the intro and trying to introduce you. So I'm just honored to have you here. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's dive into your very beginning. But before we start there, let's go to your names. You have two beautiful names. Is there a story behind that? And what are the meanings?
1: Uh, well, not really too much of a story, but my meaning is uh Talib means knowledge seeker. Jasir means courageous. And um feel like I've lived up to that. Oh. In a lot of ways. Yes,
0: you have. Yes, you have. From the little that I know about you, I I am yeah, the names the names fit you.
1: <laughs> Thank yeah,
0: you. Your parents did right. <laughs> so, um y- your names are they Arabic? Yes. Okay. Man, that's there gotta be something almost there. I have majority of the names on this podcast are Arabic. Yeah, I never realized that until I started asking about meaning of names. And I started and it's like, wow, I back when I thought I, I knew stuff, I only thought Arabic names were just for only Muslims. And then when I started asking about meaning of names or where names were from. It cuts the influence cuts across being just Muslim or being from northern Nigeria or being from um, northern Africa or the Middle East. I've, I've been learning, I had a guest who was born in the Bronx and her family is from Nicaragua. And then although most people who go by that name are from uh are mostly found in Russia, mm. it also has Arabic uh influence and i was like what i that was not expecting that <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't so yeah sh- shout out to the arabic uh, language and i think that's one thing that's helped me grow as a human being and change my perspective on many things um, being that i'm nigerian born uh where we are right now is very very hot um in the Nigerian space. We have our presidential election coming up next year. It's a big thing between Christians and Muslims, the North and the South. And people, there are people who just don't want to hear anything about Arabic. So if you say Arabic, it's like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but we don't even understand how big the influence is. Mm-hmm. And it goes beyond just um, Islam it goes beyond just religion and i wish that people will see and uh the the message will change from yeah you, you don't just have to be of a certain faith to mm-hmm. just understand that yeah the arabic influence goes everywhere even swahili the language of swahili has arabic influences a lot of food that we have in different parts of africa has arab is tied to arabic and I would, yeah, so there's a whole lot of discussions that we need to have about how big that influence is, because I'm pretty sure if we look on the other side too, you see it, there's an influence from Africa there too, so we are missing out on a lot of things if that discussion isn't opened up.:
1: Yeah, yeah, so, I agree.
0: yeah, so um your name is Knowledge Seeker, and um, remind me your your last name
1: again. It's actually not my last name, but um, it's my middle name. Oh, okay. And it's, it's just the name I go by. All right. And um, Courageous. Courageous. Knowledge mm-hmm. Seeker.
0: So you can be co- called Courageous Knowledge Seeker. We clear. go there. All right. Yeah. yeah. I like that. So um, I also read that you're a twin. I am. So are you the oldest or the youngest?
1: I am the second born first.
0: Wow. You know. I was. I, I just realized. I my tribe. We we have um,
1: firstborn, second. I should say. I'm first, a firstborn, second. Firstborn, second. Yeah, which means uh, basically that I pushed her out first. You can go check it out. I will wait here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, I've, this is the first yeah, time I said after you.
1: <laughs>
0: this is the first time I've had it said that I mean. <laughs> <laughs> way. Okay, that, that that's new. I have to have to save that for when next I run into another another twin. i be like, okay, I I got something. <laughs> All right, thank you for that. <laughs> so, um, my my tribe. I think we we have names that we that are common for twins, but it's also common with Eurobass, mm. which is quite fascinating because. You know, we also do that thing of, oh, you can't mix with Yoruba, you're not supposed to marry Yoruba. We have our tribalism, too, You know, depending on how hardcore mm-hmm. you know run into. But um, most Yoruba that I'm familiar with, their twins are Taiwo and
1: Euroba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I we consider Kind day.
0: Kaine, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I had a kind day in my class, too, when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I have to, to look up that person and say, well, you're bringing up some things I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> So um, yeah, where, where where was I gonna go next? Ah, so, and, and memory now, kind of. I'm, I'm remembering what I'm not supposed to remember now. I had everything structured up. Ah, kind kind Welcome. of go away now. Go go go.
1: <laughs> Welcome to forty. <laughs> memory loss has begun. Ah, uh,
0: no 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 no. <laughs> I'm a wise forty-year-old. I was supposed to be like young gun. Look here, <laughs> I'm a wise guy now. But um, anyway, that's uh yeah okay. I'm back on track. It's coming back now. So, can you introduce us to your place of birth and what childhood was like for you?
1: Sure. I was born in, born in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, however, that's just where I was born. I was, uh, uh, my grandmother, my great-grandmother actually, came and gathered up my sister and I, and we were about six months old uh, from there, and took us to the eastern shore of Maryland. So, I grew up on a farm on the eastern shore of Maryland. Um, chicken coop in the backyard an acre of crops I lived in a community that was completely black um and when I was growing up we had a dirt road and I when I talk about where I grew up and how I was raised it sounds like I was born in 1875 but I was born (laughs) in 1975 um but it was a really beautiful experience and um, it's actually where I just moved back to uh, this past year. Oh, wow.
0: So uh, Eastern Shore, Maryland. What's the biggest uh, city that's, uh, the most popular um, city that's closest? to Well, the Ocean case? City, Maryland is something oh, that Ocean people city. know about, which okay.
1: is, a, is a beach town community. Yeah. It's like Jersey Shore on the Eastern Shore. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah have, have I been to Ocean City? I don't, I, I don't think I've been there. Have I? I might have a relative that lives out there probably visited there once right after I arrived in the States. Where was that? Yeah, we went there at night time. was it Ocean City or somewhere around there?
1: Mm. Well, yeah. Cambridge is near nearby, East End, places that people know. Um, Dover, Delaware, stuff, places like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think I'd driven past Dover. Yeah. But I was just trying to compute if I had been somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. So What would you consider your favorite childhood memory?
1: Uh, Being there early. I grew up, as you mentioned earlier, a twin. And so we had two of everything, my sister and I. Uh, My great-grandmother raised us, and her brother, my Uncle Jeff, uh, he lived with us. And um, we were the only family in the community who, I would say, had means in a way. Um, So we had this... This uh, fenced-in playground that had the playground set. We had two of everything, sit and spins, uh, inchworms, tricycles. And so all the kids came to our, our house. Um, we are a community of um, bartering, where people come with their crops, their food. Uh, we did the same. Oh, uh, so okay. what we grew on our land, we mm-hmm. we ate and gave away. And the same for other people around us. Yeah, I uh, grew up on... Um, water as well so we went fishing and crabbing and that sort of thing um and once again once again um whatever we had in excess went to other families and vice versa so um that's the environment that I grew up in and um, the only thing that reminds me of it really is when I go out of the country like to the Caribbean or something like that I haven't been to Africa but when I see chickens in the front yard and (laughs) no lights you know going down the street and that sort of thing um where I'm from is considered down the road because mm-hmm. it's down the road from the city. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was just that whole experience was um, beautiful. My great grandmother, uh, who passed away when she was 93 in 2005, was one of my favorite people in the world. And so um, just being there and, and having that experience uh, really shaped the person that I am. Mm. And it helped me to understand what community uh, can look and feel like as well
0: yeah that's beautiful to hear i know people who i've interacted with and um, from my days in nigeria before i left and then uh, after after i arrived here and when i tell them about communities like yours you know back home in our lingua we consider that poor Mm -hmm. and they'll be like that, that, that can exist in America. Everybody's supposed to just be in a big house. Mm-mm. Everybody's supposed to just, you know, that that it, it, it's the pictures that we, we've we seen, that's the mindset that the majority of us have. And we just only think that that's, that's all. So like, even I remember one time I was talking to somebody, I think it was one of my cousins, and I was like, you know, there are still communities in America that are just um, about to receive electricity. Not everybody has electricity and all this. It's like, nah, you're just telling me this because you're you you, you you're trying to discourage me from coming to America. I'm <laughs> like, it's not like I'm discouraging you. If your, if your part includes America, then yes. Uh, who am I to tell you not to come here? If your part is to Canada, then it is Canada. I'm not going to tell you don't come. But... I'm just letting you know that, oh, I saw this in the news and I was surprised mm. and I've been to some places and I, when I got there at first, when I was brand new in America, I was that person like, how, what is this? This place, uh, this, uh, no. I was kind of, I, for some reason I was even getting angry at one point, but it would take me time to realize that this existed and it's also community. Absolutely. But I was looking at it from, oh, they're poor. This is bad. These people are not right people and, you know but with time you start to understand what's happening, what's going on because you only consider this is how, good, this is not good. you don't so your mind you're, there's a fighting going on within mm. your system. Mm. Why, why are you rejecting this? why Yeah you, no so I yeah. You don't get it, but you know when I even tell people now they're, 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 that shock is coming to them yeah. and they're going through all that and they don't believe and I have to now like sit back and like I'll let you. Let it sink in, and you know it's your time to go through that shock, like I did. And some will not, will never accept it. Some will accept, and I, I, I can't force them to, you know. But I, I recognize now, and uh, like you said, that yeah, it's community, and I'm glad that you know you. That's why one reason why I would like bring you here to talk, because you know I had someone who, uh, was questioning me recently, like why, why are some of your guests? not immigrants, like people born overseas. Why do you have people who are not born overseas on the podcast? I said, well, if you don't hear from some people, I I pick who comes here Mm -hmm. and I know that they can contribute because there are people who, when you hear from them, it sounds a lot like us back home, but we assume that just because they are born in America, they have nothing to offer. Mm. So we are better than them mm-hmm. because we're born where we suffered, we went through all the hurdles and we only know community. We only have culture. They have nothing. So we are better. And then we will build that mindset which is a form of anti-blackness and then we'll come here and then, you know, we start creating our artificial walls so that we don't want to talk to you. But everything you described now, there are lots of communities like that back home
1: in Absolutely. Nigeria.
0: And a lot of people can relate to that.
1: Well, it's a... It's, um... It's historical, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's us, even even when you see places here that are more concrete jungle, mm-hmm. as you alluded to, and more buildings and that sort of thing, there's, there's always been a kinship that occurs, and especially places where there might be poverty, because people have to rely on each other. Yes. So um, in recent years, and I think more deliberately, um, that's changed, you know, when, when the old folks' homes started going up, talking about retirement homes or, I mean, not retirement homes, but senior citizen homes and stuff like that. We, meaning that the elders left our homes and went into a different home to, to live out their lives. Mm-hmm. So they weren't around their grandchildren like used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, this the separate, the separatism that we have, that we deal with, um, media has a lot to do with that. Politics has a lot to do with it. Um. It's, it separates us a lot, but, but one thing that I know for sure, um, just based on my own experience, is that um, we are a people that understand kinship and community. And um, no matter where we are in this world, we know that relying on others is, is the way forward. Mm. Um, and when we lose it, it's just something that's lost. It's not, simp- it's not that it's an intentionality behind it. It's something that is missing and it was lost.
2: That's, yep, I can't can't add any more to that. It's true. That is true. So you are also a storyteller. And it seems to me like
0: growing up, you started acquiring stories. So what was the first story that stood out to you that you remember
2: Mm. that made an impact?
1: A story that was told to me?
0: It told to you or... That I created.
2: Well,
1: you created but whichever you want to go with. Oh, well. Uh, I have a lot of stories. (laughs) Um, I mean, I I think the first one would be the story of um, just my own existence, the way in which I arrived, you know, where where I was. My mother and my father um, eloped out of Salisbury State University, um, which is the city that I live in now. and my father's from Baltimore and he came to uh Salisbury State my mother was already there and um they loped cuz they thought love was all they needed at 19 and 20 years uh. old and um and they had no sense of resiliency or <laughs> or stick with itness so um so not 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 um uh, long after my sister and I were born um, it was time to call it quits, and and um, my grandmother, as I said, my great grandmother, my grandmother pulled up in the yard and 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 came and got us. And my grandma, great grandmother, told my mother that she would raise us on the condition that she came back to school and finished. Oh. And so that's exactly what she did. Oh. And so, um, and so that was pretty much how I was raised, and 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 why um, all the stories that. Uh, about my ancestors um I, I recently did a recording I have about 20 hours of recordings with my grandmother who is now she just turned 92 May May 4th and um she told me stories about her grandmother and great-grandmother that I never knew of course wow. and um so we just have a, a rich history I'm very proud of the people I come from mm-hmm. and um and so I I've always collected stories. I've always thought it important. I was always the one sitting at my grandmother's feet asking questions about, you know, our people, yeah. our land. You know, why this, why that. You know, and so um, I've learned a lot. So I've got a lot of stories, <laughs> but um, but I'm grateful for 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 my own personal individual story. As you should be, and I'm I'm, I'm glad you shared that.
0: Uh, because you actually just gave me an idea. I, I don't know if it will work, but I'll, I'll try it. Um, I've been trying to get my mom to give me the, to document our family history. She's the, she's the matriarch of the family. She's the oldest amongst her siblings. And she moved back to Nigeria mm-hmm. about, uh, just before the pandemic. Uh, a year before the pandemic, or just for a few months before the pandemic, so in 2019, and it was f- kind of for the community thing because she was living in a um, home for seniors, and and I, I, I knew what what had been happening because the, the arguments were just increasing. she was like she was cranky, and I I being the, the most senior person in the family. She was, there's an energy that comes from the way our system works. People just bring stuff to you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't know, the, the, most people call her auntie. So Auntie, uh I'm, this one I'm dating. Mm, I don't like this one. This one is not good for you. That it, it sounds as petty as it comes and whatever, mm-hmm. but it gives it makes her feel important. Mm-hmm. It keeps her going yep you explain that to someone who doesn't know they're gonna be like what the hell are you talking about but trust me it works well so she needs to be where that's what keeps her going so when she said she was moving back to nigeria i said yeah you'll be away from your medicine and all that i get it but trust me that that's what she needs and i do i agree 100 percent. no but I understood that there was a social side of it that mm-hmm. she needed. Mm-hmm. And that's been working for her for the most part of it. So she she went back and um she's been doing and like, like I predicted, that started happening. All family members brought all manner of stuff around her. Then she would come like, Oh, these people are coming. Why are they always coming to me? I'm like, aha. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been happening for a whole bunch of years. But she's enjoying it. She's happy, but she will sound like she's not happy. But it's that importance, that feeling of importance, because mm-hmm. you're the head. So, But every time, uh, the older I got, there were things that, there were stories that would pop out every once in a while. My mom has been always secretive, and family always did that. Like, But once in a while, something would just pop out. Like, oh, did you know that this person was, this is how you were supposed to be. And I was like, wait, why? Why did I know about all this? <laughs> so. By the time I became a father, I was like, okay, this is where we are. You and I might not see eye to eye on certain things. It doesn't mean we can't have the history of our family for your granddaughter. For your granddaughter, let's do this. So give me just the family his the family tree. Can we have that on at least documented? So I think the mistake I made was. Well, by then, I hadn't even started the podcast or did not even thought about podcasting. But before she left, I probably should have sat down with her and probably recorded. So now that she's in Nigeria, it's a little bit difficult because she's not in Lagos or Abuja, the two best cities with the internet. So the Zoom recording won't even work, but I'll have to find a way. I might have to, okay, we'll f- find a way to get over the distractions, but stay on point. Just tell me the stories and then record let you do the talking. But that might be the best way because, yeah, writing it down is becoming a problem. But that might be the best way to get the story out. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I find our stories are much like language. If you don't pass it on and a person passes on, Mm -hmm. it's gone. Yeah. Pretty much, um, it's as if it never happened. And so... Thank you for that. um, Just as much as it's important to continue to teach the language, Mm -hmm. um... It's just as important to tell our stories because uh, at a certain point they will disappear with the with the last person who held them.
0: Thank you for that. That's true. I had um an uncle who he he was the, he was the spokesman for the family by the time he died and last time I saw him was about a year before I left Nigeria, and there were a lot of things he told me. He, he was always a fountain of information about the family in Nigeria, family in Ghana. And I was just like, man, this guy, what is this guy, about? he's always, he's one of those people, he has always been old throughout my <laughs> lifetime. And I was like, man, this guy, you, you, this, wow, he used stuff that happened with family in Ghana that I may not even remember now. And I'm like, wow, But Those are things that, like, then I was just becoming an adult. So I was like, oh, you don't even think about documenting that. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. cut you, so it's gone. It's gone with him. Because by the time I even start thinking about documenting anything, he had died.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I was like, man, that is someone who I would have bought a plane ticket just to go sit down with him and say, sir, just yes. here we go. All that stuff you used to tell me, just <laughs> tell me. Yeah. I take it right now. So uh, then my other aunt too, who was like the next oldest person to him. She also passed away a few years ago. So the only other person, uh, I, I can't, she, I, I can't even speak the language with her. So my mom is like the next person who I'm like, yeah. So uh, yeah, I just have to get out my mom now. She's, um, yeah, so that's, it's important. It's true. It is just like language. So it, it has to be documented. Um, it's for my family history. There's stuff about my tribe, my culture that I'm, I keep getting every day and yeah that is a little bit more accessible Mm -hmm. but there's stuff that's tied down and i think it's the malians that made me realize that because malians have been documenting they had their transcripts which has always been in existence going as far back as the 12th century Mm -hmm. so they had it in writing and so all families had it at home and we never realize, you know, like when people talk about history, people always talk like, oh, the government and like, but history is tied to families. Every Absolutely. family's history is part of a country's history. It's part of, you know, so yeah. So my family's history is part of my tribal history. It's part of the whole Nigeria. I don't know if Nigeria doesn't exist tomorrow, then okay. Then whichever country exists, then it's part of that country's history. So that's uh, why I, I'm. Very keen to have it. I've tried to get some of my cousins in Scotland because I have Scottish cousins, English cousins, but on a different page for now. But hopefully, now I've got a new fire that Mm -hmm. I can use to like, hey, now I got it. It's like language. Do you want to lose your language? (laughs) No. Okay. Then, all right, let's do this. (laughs) Thank you for that. You see that? That's another reason why I had to bring you here today. (laughs) Thank you for all this fire that you've given me now. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to jump on that. Thank you. So, um, how did you end up studying what you did at college? Now, I'm jumping forward a little bit
1: what I studied at college
0: yeah when, <laughs> when it was time to go to college, How did you know what you were going to study
1: well i didn't i I didn't really even expect to go to college um I hadn't planned on it I didn't really enjoy school at all and um to this day, even though i I graduated and um End up graduating summa cum laude. Wow! Um, you did You weren't the person enjoying school. No, I'm just a genius. So, um, I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm just. I'm just as smart as I know. I like yeah, that. I'm just a smart person, and yeah. so which can get me in trouble sometimes because I do forty uh, percent of uh, stuff and get by when I really should be putting eighty percent to 100 hundred to stuff. Um, so that's my Achilles heel, actually, that I could do better. I know I could do better. People look at it as it's 100%, and I know it's 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to do better. But um, at any rate, um, m- when I say that, I'm saying it in jest, really. But um, <laughs> I'm a sarcastic person. But <laughs> um, but I, I, I didn't initially want to go to school, and... Um, I had uh, elders who interceded in my life and said, no, you're going to gonna go to school and uh, this is the path for you and this is what you need to do. And so I started at a, a historically black college called Coppin State University in Baltimore, uh, which was the first time I was back in Baltimore um, living since I was taken from there when I was six months old. Yep. Um, and so I was there for about three and a half years. And so one of the things I've discovered about life and, and our paths is that uh, everything matters i don 't know if you've ever read the alchemist, but it's a it's a yeah. book that tells the story of every piece of your journey um, has accounted for something there's something there's something about that experience that uh, you may not know then you may not know a month from now or ten years from now, but eventually it will it will resurface as the reason why and so um there was a professor there, his name was Baba Hosey. And um he taught sociology 101 and um and he was really African centered. Uh, so we he taught us Yorba and um Kemet and um, you know, ancient ancient stories, ancient um histories, ancient spiritualities, and this sort of thing. And um it changed my life, it shaped my life because before that um, I wasn't really privy to a lot of uh, spiritual beliefs. I grew up Christian. Mm-hmm. And so um, a Methodist Christian at that, which I, I, I didn't like. Um, so um, there was just a part of my experience that I was meant to go to Coppin, even though I had no idea I was meant to go to Coppin. And I was meant to experience this particular professor, um, as well as I have uh, one of my oldest friends, her name is Latifa. And um, we've been friends since college. And um, for those two reasons is why I went to Coppin. It wasn't about Coppin at all. (laughs) And then I ended up graduating um, in 2011, actually. I left that school three and a half years um, in. um, And I ended up going to school at at St. Peter's in Jersey City um, as an adult and graduating. And um, that's when I got my summa cum laude.
0: So when you went to Jersey City, US. This time, it, was it different from uh, when you went to Coppers that you knew what you were going for? Or you...
1: uh, no, I was. Uh, so, so one of the things that I understand and, and I want to really preface that I have uh, my own beliefs that come from my own perspective and experience. So yeah. um, it doesn't, you know, it's not for anyone to agree with it. <laughs> okay. It's just where I stand and, and who I am. And so um, I, I believe that America is a credential-based society, right? And so a lot of ways in which to keep uh, people uh, that look like us out of things is to say, you don't have what you need to be here. Mm. And so um, I went to school to, um, out of scarcity, out of the fact that, okay, I didn't have a degree, and the only way I'm going to be able to have a career is to have a degree. And so... Um, that was the the only reason why i went back to school um and so um i went to school for for um political i mean i'm sorry public policy urban studies which was an adult program there and um i just chose it and that was it and um because it was my way to get to my degree um as well as completed the 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 degrees that i was have taking at Coppin. Um, which was social justice and Africana studies, and um, those two were more uh, why I was there. But um, what I learned the most out of public policy urban studies was just my means to an end. Oh, okay, it makes sense. It does
2: trust me,
0: it does. <laughs> trust me. Um, I, I I I probably didn't feel that way about. The the credential uh, based society um, at first, but uh, with time, I I have come to recognize and uh, I'm more along that line of thought now than. Um,
1: back I think it's when shifting. Yeah. I think it's shifting. I think more people are disrupting that, mm-hmm. and uh, more people are doing uh, being entrepreneurs and um and skipping that process um in order to um you know do live on their own terms and i'm I'm also aligned with that
0: yes there are, there are more people disrupting that but at the same time there's um i, I think that i've met a lot of people who kind of come from my background of you must go get a degree in this field or because people will never run out of jobs in this field or from this profession, and then they go and then they're like, "Uh, this is not what I want, or this is just the dream of people from well, you know people who whoever wants this is someone else's dream, not mine. And maybe I should go find what I want, or maybe I should yeah, stick to the dream. I'm a big and
1: big proponent of that.
0: And, they start trying to figure out their way, and everyone's like, what?
1: Are you going? Are you
0: serious? Are you going to do this? Look, people are losing jobs, and people are this and that, and, like, people, I'm not, my name is not people.
3: Yeah, I can, I can go <laughs> find what,
0: and if yeah. I will suffer finding, then let me suffer, but I know I'm going for what I want, and, and then, yeah, so if you make it, you make it. If you don't, well, you can always restart again, and whatever, but they're figuring it out. And yeah. Yeah. seeing that, and there are people who are like, what, that person, is, is he okay? He he could have been a nurse. Everybody I know, all the Nigerians, he had nurses. They bought houses. I'm like, what if he doesn't want to live in a house? Right. Want to live in an apartment? Something wrong with him? Are you? Oh, you're the one influencing him. I'm like, no. I just told him. Are you? That's that your plan? Okay, fine. I'm not gonna tell you. Don't change it. That's your. As far as you're not going to commit crime, yeah. If you say crime is your plan, okay. Well, you just don't name me as your reference. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, we, I hear you. we never met. <laughs> I hear you, yeah. So yeah, that's it. And um, I encourage disruptors. I mean, look at podcasting. People in Lagos, Abuja doing, I'm, I'm like, wow. If you had told me back then when people my uncle wanted to put me on radio in 2000 and 2003. And someone who didn't like me. It's not like he liked me. It's somebody who did not like me. is late now. But, uh yeah, he did not like me. But just from one day, we we're talking current affairs in the house, and I was, I was fact-checking people. Mm-hmm. From the little I knew, but I used to think I knew a lot then. But I was fact-checking <laughs> people and college graduates and all that. I hadn't been to college, and this guy just looked at me. I was like, this boy, this boy, huh? You know, i my 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 friend has a radio program on Saturday. I'll take you there. You go at least you put you on for ten minutes. I was Like, oh. my voice on radio. Uh, everybody sounds like a professional radio. a.k.a. White. Um. Yeah. Disappear. That's it. I disappeared that day. I mean, I didn't admit that for years. <laughs> I would never admit it for years. But uh, you know, after you know, after therapy, and you know, I had to own up the truth. The truth was, I disappeared. Had, that morning, as soon as he woke up, he didn't see me. I was gone. Then another day, he wanted to put me on TV. He was going to take me to his friend who was over sports because he, he, he always heard me talking soccer. And he was like, nobody talks about soccer like this guy.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: the same thing. But what, somebody had been hearing my voice. I was like, this guy's voice. This is somebody who never liked me. This is mm-hmm. somebody who, if I was, when, when I had to have surgery, um, and he, well, he would give me his money to hold, by the way, his money for his mistresses. Mm. <laughs> get to hold. So I, I was about to die and the whole family, was, they, they had gone for a trip and everything. So I, I, people were like, dude, you have this man's money. Use it to go save your life. That's how committed I was. <laughs> I was going to beg for money and had money for. Mm. So at last minute, I was like, man, I'm dying. My cousins were like, dude, use that money. So I used the money. They were, they were like, we'll go find money for you while you're in the hospital. And he had I used his money. He was mad about that. Mm. And was like, he didn't care that I used it to save my life, but it was like I stole his money. Mm. And I'd never stolen money from him. I'd never stole money from anybody. Mm. He was cussing me out to everybody. But when he came to the hospital, he was, oh, are you okay? Everything good? You know, so I, I also had a grudge with him. But he offered to take me to the TV station. They would put me on air. Mm. Live show. Dude, I ran away. <laughs> so there was, you know, so coming from that mindset, I. I, I I didn't understand. I was like, "Why would? How would? How there's no way people can make it in that environment, like disrupt the system and be on TV or radio or on, even make, make it through podcasting. And I'm seeing people doing it now and I'm like, I'm so glad that you all did not catch that stage fright like I did. And you know, don't use your voice like, yeah, because now everybody needs to go work in a bank. Not everybody mm-hmm. needs to go um, become engineers. If that's your calling, then that's your calling if your calling is to make food, then your calling, people are going to eat. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes. So, that's why I'm glad that, um, yeah, you know, and you can go to college for that if you want to, but you don't, if you don't need to, then that, that's also great. So, um, before we move forward, because I need to ask you about your work experience, because I, I found that interesting. We're going to take a quick break, and when we we'll come back, I got to ask you about some some of your working experiences before we dive into podcasting officially. Hi, everyone. We've made it two years and who would have thought so? So let's go further and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six, who knows? 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American pod or blinktree.com white label american go there and you'll see our patreon link and you can join us for as low as three dollars we have bonus content we have bonus materials there's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public and yeah you can contribute to making this podcast better you can send questions you can send your ideas and also there's a lot of new things that are coming the announcements are made on patreon first because we have to, you know, take care of people who help make this podcast possible. So you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be. Come join us on Patreon and make it what you'd like to see. Join us. Make it fantastic. Keep the five stars coming in. Keep the love coming in. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. And um, Talib. Right after so you get out of college... You go into, uh, let let me see if I got this right. You will go into the field of marketing and advertising. Before I left college. Oh, you started before you left college. Yes. Okay. And now amongst your multiple identifications, you're a yoga teacher, wellness coach. How, how, how did that happen? Like, (laughs) you know, Marketing, advertising is like on the far side, and, and you know. So, what was marketing, advertising like for you? And well, then making that switch.
1: Well, I'm still, I still. Um, so basically, um, let's see. When I was uh, after nine eleven happened, I was living in DC. I was living in DC uh, during nine eleven. As a matter of fact, I was uh, working in commercial real estate, on uh, I Street. The White House is on H Street. Mm. And so um, my daughter, who was two at the time, uh, was across um, the bridge. I had to go from Northwest to PG County. And um, what normally took about 15 minutes took maybe three, four hours wow. um, getting home. Before I worked at the commercial real estate place, I worked um, in an um, engineering uh, company. And, um, and so I knew about structural beams and that sort of thing. So I knew that these towers were coming down. It just was a matter of time. Um, people in the real estate industry was like, they're not coming down. They're too strong. Like, they're coming down. But um, what made me want to get out of the area was—I don't know if you've ever seen Independence Day. Most people have. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm in them again. I'm—I'm in DC at the time, and so I'm driving, trying to get to pick up my daughter. And um, I look in my rearview mirror, and there's literal soldiers running through our cars. You know, just trying to get where they're going. Um, I get to one street, and Ted Kennedy is stuck in traffic as well. Um, I'm at this red light. He's at this red light. Uh, everybody was the same on that day.
0: Was he driving?
1: He was in the passenger seat. Oh, okay. I was driving. Um, and so what I decided was I needed to get the hell out of D.C. <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> um, don't blame you, man. You know, for the next few weeks and months, really. I mean, it was literally months. There was a tank that sat on uh, the corner in front of the Bank of America every time I went uh, to, into work. Uh, so I didn't want to be there anymore. Mm. And so I moved to North Carolina and, um, I lived there for about six, six years. And, um, when I went down there, I didn't have a job or anything like that. I left my job commercial real estate and I went down there. Um, just wanted to raise my daughter. I've been seeking out the place that I was raised since I left there Uh, But North Carolina, Durham, and and Raleigh is just as much city as anywhere else. I didn't find the world that I was looking for. But long story short, I didn't have a job. And um, and so marketing advertising was the first job that my temp agency provided for me. And that was in pharma. Um, And so I've been in uh, pharma marketing and advertising um, for over 20 years now. And I'm still in that industry, um, as a matter of fact. So... um, that's how I got started It was kind of happenstance it was just a job that was thrown my way and it became a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my coaching, um, happened. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I also have also been uh, socialized and very scarce. And so my idea was that if I don't work, I don't get paid and I don't have bills and I live that way. For, I mean, I don't have money to pay my bills and I need to raise my daughter. So, um, so for, for years, I, I, I kept the entrepreneurial uh, spirit of me, um, you know, dormant and my creativity dormant uh, to do what needed to be done. And so um, I would say that my coaching was almost like my hero's journey coming out of darkness, coming out of a space of um, a lack of awareness of myself, a lack of awareness of what um, we all have access to in this world. If it exists, we have access to it. If, um, if, it, if someone else is doing it, it's a possibility that you can too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I became a coach um, in 2015, and um, it, was, it was really in between jobs. It was, it was me investing in myself and the desire to, to no longer do the stuff that I had been doing, um, which was be scarce and, and stay in jobs that I didn't want to be in, I, just because I thought it was what I had to do, what I needed to do, what I was supposed to do and what I should be doing. And so um, and so that's how the life coaching came into play. Um, I've always been a person that people come to and that I'm able to work with, but there was no technique to it. It was just, you know, supporting people whenever they need it. And so uh, this was my opportunity. But it was, when you do that type of work, it's, it's almost the first time you also get your own awareness, um, self-awareness. Um, and so I really... Um, Learned a lot about myself and and what's possible for me uh, in the time of uh, becoming certified uh, as a coach.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, that's uh, I, I love that be scarce and the awareness. That's true. That's true. So um, there's an awareness that comes with the. the when you start this journey of um in in entrepreneurship, that's very true right there, yeah, so now that you uh
0: began to work for yourself and to um follow your your dream let me put it that way um, was that what was that the, the the beginning of what will eventually become the Afros and Audios Festival?
1: Oh well, no. Um, I didn't even see that in my in my future, and that, that's the you know one thing in which I I, I try to uh, impart on people and uh, that philosophy is that uh, you know where I started is not where I am, and I had no idea that I'd be where I am today, mm. like clueless and so um and so we live a, a bunch of lifetimes in one lifetime you know and so um when i started coaching i didn't i still wasn't considering Afro's and audio wasn't there yet for me um i was just coaching and working yeah. i'm still as i said i'm still in the in the pharmaceutical industry um in marketing advertising um and so uh Afro's and audio podcast festival came from me um doing another program of um self-awareness, um, emotional intelligence, learning more about myself and possibilities of of me, um, learning that I am enough for my genius, enough for the things that I consider and think about and want to do. Um, because for a long time, I, I didn't believe that um, those things were possible for me. And so I was dreaming about it, but it wasn't possible for me because I'd never done it. And so one day I had to ask myself, if you never attempted it how do you know that it can't be done you've never attempted it how do you know you don't deserve it or you're not worth it and so um it's it was a a challenge for myself to to push forward and and um prove myself otherwise and um and so that's what I did and so I uh started a program it's called Momentum Education and it's here in New York it's on 42nd Street and um and in that, we had to put down some goals. Uh, what we could attain, um, we could accomplish in ninety days. And there were different quadrants: family things, um, career-wise, creativity. You know, whatever it looked like. Um, and so I put down this long-term time dream of of creating an audio story. Um, I knew podcasting existed at that point. I wasn't in it, um, but for years I've always been fascinated by, um, radio dramas, audio, that sort of thing. And so I put it down as something I wanted to do. And as I was turning in, uh, what I wanted to do, um, I called my coach at that time about a week later. I was like, I need to take the podcast off. Cause I can't do that. Like that's too much. I can't do that part. <laughs> and, um, and he basically said, uh, please get off of my phone with telling me what you can't do in 90 days. Like, we, you haven't even started yet, so, like, wow. go away. And so he made me keep it on the list of things I wanted to do. And so um, it took me the last three weeks of those 90 days before I even started writing the script. Um, but I did it, you know. I wrote the script. I cast it. <laughs> I recorded it. Wow. I published it, and I distributed it within a uh, three- to four-week time period. Um, still something I'm very proud of. And um that was the beginning of me be-, be getting into podcasting. And one of the things you may have heard me say before is I think that uh, people who build community are-, are oftentimes seeking it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so um what I was doing when I started Afros and Audio was looking for a community. People who looked like me was creating audio dramas. And that's how it started. It was it was very niche, it was very specific to wanting to find other creatives that I could not only talk with and get support and learn more, but also uh, provide a space for them to do the same. And um, it just wasn't what it was, what it is now. 2017, we weren't creating audio drums like we are today. Um, and when I say we, I'm talking about black folks specifically. Yeah. And so um, and so that's how Afro and Audio started, but I almost pivoted um, because it didn't really go anywhere. And um, I'm a creative, so it's easy for me to start something and throw it away. (laughs) And, like, it didn't work. I tried. Um, But for some reason, Afro's Audio felt special. It felt um, like it was important. And it felt like it was necessary. And so I stayed the course, and I um, reached out for some support and um, asked some questions. I said, you know, you should start an event. And I think uh, he was meaning a two-hour meetup in the city and I left there thinking okay I'm gonna do a two-day festival and so that's what I did.
0: Wow so why was Brooklyn the venue for the first Afros Audio? Was there a possibility of another city
1: hosting? No 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 we were in we were going to be in Brooklyn I mean Brooklyn is where it's at even though I um, have a hate of for it today. Uh just because of traffic. We're gonna skip over the hate. <laughs> yeah. But that ride, right, Brooklyn is where it's at. Brooklyn is Brooklyn was is where it's at. I love Brooklyn. I love the energy. I love the history of Brooklyn, Man especially right. when it comes to creatives. Yeah. And so um it started in one location. Um and a month to the day of um the festival's date, um, I lost that venue. And um and it was hard because it was my first time really trying something bigger than I'd ever done in my life, and um, and I just lost my venue for it. Wow. And um, my sister had helped me maybe three weeks before about some other something else, completely different. But she said, you know, you never take time to feel anything; you just jump into solution mode. And she's right. Oh. Um, so I cried about that. And um wasn't thug tears. I just always want to make sure that's that's clear. I was uh, it was real real tears. It was it was it was uh, upset, <laughs> you know. Um and um long story short, I I reached out to to someone that I had met. Again, things just occur, you know? Yeah this person that ended up where I had the venue reached out to me probably two months prior and said, I, I heard you have a festival coming, where is it gonna be? And I said, It's gonna be at this other location. And she said, okay, and that was the end of it. And then a couple of weeks before that, I was um, told, you know, this person is looking for uh, something for an event. Could you go there and, um, you know, speak and maybe you'll be a part of it. So I went there, I recited this poem that I had written. And um, she was like, okay, cool, you know, we'll talk later. And it was at the location that the first festival was. Um, So it's just all, you know. The path, the journey, yeah, to getting there, and it was, so it was on Bedford Avenue. It was actually the the headquarters of Shirley Chisholm, the first Black woman to ever run for pres- president. Um, it was her headquarters in 1973, I believe, 72.
0: I know there. I've walked past there a couple of times. Well, that's all
2: pre-pandemic now. Wow,
3: yeah, I haven't been there in a while,
2: mm-hmm. and that
0: feels like so long ago. That's been, goddamn, that, it's been four years. No, it's not been four years. It's been, you know, 2020, there, there needs to be some discussion about how we address 2020, because that that just feels, it makes everything feel like, like a five ten year gap sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a time loop thing, because sometimes I've been miscalculating how many years everything before 2020.
1: Yeah, it's only been two.
0: So, yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, sometimes it's like,
1: whew, <laughs>
0: but yeah. You know,
3: yeah, I haven't been there in a minute. I just say it that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now I need to go in bed for the avenue. Just been away in this part of Brooklyn and um,
0: East or oh, go to East New York. no in between with me.
2: Mm-hmm. But I'm changing that slowly, but surely. So
0: um the afros and audios will be coming soon. And will it be virtual this year or will it be in person?
1: It'll be in person this year.
0: Woo! In Brooklyn? No. I'll pick, yeah, you guys don't do me like that. <laughs> First thing I could, you know, I'm just getting ready to like show up in person because, you know, that's one of the biggest mistakes I made when I began podcasting officially. I was still on that. I can do it. I can do it by me. So I didn't bother to look for community and all that. Mm. And then I was like, it was through um, Tea with Queen and... Uh, uh, Tea with Queen and Jay. Queen and Jay mm-hmm. that I heard of Afros and Audio for the second year. And I was like, wait, there's a festival? There's a podcast festival? Oh. Oh, okay. They do podcast festivals? Uh, wait, they are podcast festivals? It's a thing, wow, I know, that they, 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 this this kind of stuff existed. And the black people, too. Wow, where have I been all this time? I, I, I like this kind of stuff, and look how inspiring it is, mm-hmm. seeing p- people like me talking there. And I was like, wow, I've been missing out on a lot. And I'll be, yeah, it just felt like I came out of, you know, it's like I came out of a time bubble.
1: Well, it didn't exist. I mean, I was just the first... Mm-hmm. Um, two-day festival, um, period. And so um, before that, uh, one of the reasons for Afros and Audio Podcast Festival is because you look at other conferences and you didn't see um, us at all. It's, yeah. it's not no speakers. Wow. Um, and when we are on stage, we're relegated to diversity and inclusion conversations that we've been having oh. for uh, years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So I know the problem, you know the problem. Why are we still talking about it? Maybe um, in,
0: in, in a way I wasn't, because I, I honestly didn't know about podcast festivals, but maybe I may have seen a flyer or two and seen that diversity and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. But it's like I just fine tuned myself out. So I wasn't looking for community. It's kind um, of like the way when I saw the Black Podcasters Association group, because like, I had seen a couple of podcasters groups on Facebook. And I went in there and I was like, uh, yeah, I will just take myself out of here mm-hmm. quietly. Mm-hmm. As, I, as I came in, i just leave. And then I saw that group and I was like,
3: hmm, this
0: might be different. Let me check it out. And I checked. and I was like, oh, it's different. Okay, I'm at home. Finally, i yeah. seen some, yeah. same, that's how I felt when I came onto Afros and Audio. Because I was like, this is a lot different from, yeah, it's just, I, I yeah, I felt, I felt I was at home. The, and I want to experience something like this again. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine if I'd come to the first festival, but by then I wasn't even thinking something that existed. So I wasn't even looking for something like that. If I would known about it and shown up in person, oh man, I would have, the, the wings I would have grown, I probably would have, the wings would have, yeah. I would have been flying, I would have mm-hmm. flown out, but yeah. So where, where's the next one going to be at?
1: Um, not sure yet. Um. It's going to be either uh, DC, Baltimore, or Philadelphia. Okay, um, we're I'm leaning f- towards Philadelphia, but all right. um, they're close to me. Like yeah, this, it's it, for it, my own.
0: <laughs> this for the, 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 the <laughs> listeners, you guys will get there. I'll, I'll post the flyers for you. All. Yeah, but yeah. for me, I'm just doing this for me right now. I'm calculating <laughs> the distance.
1: And it'll be October 22nd and 23rd, and um, it's virtual. It, it was in June um, in the first festival in Brooklyn and again Brooklyn summertime you know who can beat that Mm -hmm. Um, but COVID had us pivot to virtual and because of that um, it had us pivot a little late because I was really resistant to um, shifting I I was hoping that the pandemic was going to go away like any minute and it just never did Um, so at any rate we started that November date and so now we're there and um, and so but now that we're in person we don't want to have people trying to travel before Thanksgiving and the holidays and stuff like that? So, which makes sense. Out of consideration, we're we're hoping that October twenty second, twenty third is a good time. All right,
0: all righty. So, you've given me a lot of your time, and uh, I need to start asking some fun questions. So, where should I start with first? We haven't gotten, to we haven't asked you anything about food, and you haven't mentioned anything about food. <laughs> And being a man who lived on a farm, you know, you, you experienced a lot of farming, you got to have some, you, you've, 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 you've eaten some good food. So, and you've lived in North Carolina too. You've lived in D.C. Man, this man, you've, you've, you've experienced food and you, you love Brooklyn too. So now you have to betray one place. When it comes to food, give us your favorite cuisine. Where does your favorite cuisine come from? Ethiopian. Oh, this might even waste time. Okay, <laughs> Ethiopia. Wow, I was I wasn't expecting that. Ethiopia. Wow. Okay, Some Ethiopians is going to be dancing right now. What? Uh, what was what, what, that? Uh, is, is it the most popular meal, or is there special?
1: Oh, I just I love the taste. I was introduced to it in DC on mm. 18th Street. There's a there's a uh, a lot of um Ethiopian restaurants. Um, so my mother took took us when we were teenagers, and I've been eating it ever since. Wow. Um, I love Ethiopian The
0: Ethiopians got one. You guys got one. <laughs> you win. You win. I love Ethiopian food. There used to be a place not far away from here um, on Fort Avenue, but unfortunately, they closed during the pandemic. Uh, their bread, man, Ethiopian bread. You yeah, can get. injera. Mm.
1: But my, my great-grandmother was a chef as well, and um, she cooked all over. She cooked for um, Hollywood actors. She cooked in restaurants and hotels. She owned her own restaurants um, and bars. So um, I've always eaten good food, and my wife is a phenomenal cook. So, yeah, this man is... Just eating, eating, eating. Hey, hey. My waist size goes up and down because of it.
0: <laughs> so um, is there any East Shore-inspired cuisine that you, you swear by?
1: Sure. You know when you are you're eating a, a real crab cake or not. Mm. We are um, it's the Chesapeake Bay, and so we we have a lot of seafood, and yeah. so um, crabs is something that is one of our specialties, Maryland crab cake, mm-hmm. and so um, I'm a snob when it comes to uh, anything seafood. I know when it <laughs> when it's <laughs> when it's some ball. Uh, <laughs>
0: hey, you know, you just reminded me because you had mentioned crabs, um, as part of your childhood, and. How, how, how do you, so you, you're good at, can, can you still catch a crab?
1: Can I still catch a crab? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you can, so you can hold the crab, you, you're good at? Well, we use baskets, I don't put my hand in Okay, so Yeah, you, you, you get like holding the crab and all that? Yeah, so what, what, we, what we do, the technique is there's um, the, the crab nets. Mm-hmm. Um, you put something like a chicken thigh or a leg yeah. on, tie it in there, you put it in the water. Um, when you start seeing that, the rope, the string... Moving, Mm -hmm. you start pulling it up, and as you pull it up, the basket of course comes up. Yeah, um, you either have a bunch of crabs or one crab, but then you take it out, (laughs) you dump it in the basket, you put it back in the water. You might have to refill the chicken because they might ate it all, but um, so yeah, that was that was my childhood. Yeah, crabs used to scare me, man, as a kid
0: (laughs) (laughs) because of that claw. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, we used to have um. This market, when I was growing up in Benin City, they called it Yanga Market. That was the the seafood and... Um, yeah, well, it was technically a seafood market, but they also have... So I think I think now they call it the wet market, because I think that's what they call it in China. But it's our version of wet market, because it's like wildlife. Mm. So like some of the animals... So it's like seafood slash wild animals that might not... Uh, consider food in other places. Yeah, like alligator and stuff mm, like this. I love there. alligator,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So and crocodiles, I think we, we have crocodiles. I don't know if alligator was there, but I know crocodiles was there. I saw, yeah, I have memories of seeing crocodiles there. Were crabs, so like one time, I, one, one of my memories that I still have was being at the market and, um the, 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 I don't know if it was a basket of crabs, but somehow the crabs got loose. From the crab cell and one was coming towards me, and I was jumped <laughs> up like ah, but I'm a pure city kid, man. Don't, don't that, what the hell is this a loose crab. And I was, my mom was like, okay, somebody get the crab. And one of my aunts who was visiting from the village, because we're we're Riverine tribe, that woman just whoop, plucked the crab off the ground and threw it into the basket. And I was like, that woman is magic. <laughs> wow, she's amazing. Yeah. she just picked up the crab like. That That's nothing. I, I was just watching the woman all day, like, wow. And I got home, I was telling all the kids around, I'm like, man, that woman picked up a big crab. You know, I, of course, I, I I I multiplied the size of the crab after <laughs> yeah. I got home, like, man, that was the biggest crab I ever seen, and that woman just picked it up and threw it into the basket. And you like, what, the crab couldn't, yeah, I couldn't crab on nothing. And I'm like, what? Somebody can do that? Yeah, and a woman? Yeah. <laughs> And you don't realize that there are women who that literally that's their job mm-hmm. <laughs> to catch crabs and <laughs> so yeah. So, um, as a creative person, and I, I didn't even touch on your poetry, but um, maybe next time we'll, we'll dive into that. But as a creative person, I know that you appreciate music. So when it comes to music. I need, you, I need you to give us three artists that inspire you. And for every guest that comes on this podcast, we automatically count you as a dancer. So you give us three guests that inspire you when it comes to you know, um, your creativity and three artists that um, get you dancing. We need you to dance for at least an hour. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, we're not making a video of that. Mm-hmm. But three artists that get you dancing. Now you can give us the most popular names. You can give us artists that are local to Baltimore or your East Shore, you know, you know, so that you, you can promote some names. That's fine. Names that um you know people are not you are not the first names that come to mind. That's fine. But yeah, so that'll be six artists. So three for inspiration and three to get you dancing.
1: Um okay. Uh I'll try. So Three to inspire me. Um, I love uh, Michelle and Dave cello. Um, I love Prince. Mm. And um, can't go wrong with Prince. I really love. It's it's I'm I'm messing with my mind right now because I love two Jasmine Sullivan and uh, Janae Aiko are oh. two of my favorite singers right now.
0: All right, are those for inspiration or dancing? Inspiration. Okay so
1: now for dancing dancing well i grew up in an age where we had to come out in the living room and dance to michael jackson and win a popsicle so um i mean that was life Ooh, <laughs> so that's right so uh so yeah so um of course michael jackson um dancing i i don't know i can dance to a lot of stuff right now i love i love dancing actually and um um i love jadena and i think he he has some really good songs out there and like Burner Boy, he's got some um, nice Man, danceable. Yeah, 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 no, no,
0: no, that's cheating. Stuff. That's cheating. You can't call Burner Boy. There are too many people I've called Burner Boy on this podcast. So okay, well, we'll that's, run that out. that's what I'm dancing to you these days. Ethiopian <laughs> food. You don't do Ethiopian music? How you going to be eating their food without their music? I I don't, yeah. What? Well, yeah, you need to go. Ethiopians, you guys need to come get him. Come <laughs> get him. Like You can't just be eating your food without getting one Ethiopian artist. Have you seen Ethiopians dancing? That, that's some good workout right there. <laughs> Serious workout.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I
0: don't blame you for not doing Ethiopian dancing.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um. so my, my daughter's a big influence on me as far as... She's 23 years old, and um, she uh she puts me on to a lot of good music. Oh, and like... So, uh,
0: yeah. So Bonaboy is uh, one of her favorites. Yeah, one of,
1: one of her favorites, Um, but she's got a lot of them, oh, and yeah. I trust her music uh, taste because it's it's... I gave it to her. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's that's I'm good. You you sound yeah. like me
0: on on that because my, my my daughter. Yeah, she she's she's already getting there. She's just turning four, and yeah, she's getting there.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Four is a great age.
0: Yeah, man. Now now when she's questioning me about where's, where's your hair? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, can we can we talk about something else? <laughs> Wake up first in the morning. Where did your hair go? <laughs> like really? Aren't you are you supposed to? You can ask about any other thing. Just that's what you woke up and. That's the first that came to your mind. (laughs) Where did your hair go? All right. So this has been fun. Um, And, man, I I still have a lot I I would have loved to ask you about. But, man, we're going to be here all day. So I got to wrap it up. But uh, final question. What would you like to leave the audience with? Could be from one of your poems. Could be, you know, something that has inspired you. It's your freestyle moment.
1: Well, I mean... I don't, I'm not a poet like that, so I wouldn't pull from that. <laughs> um, I just have written some. Um, I, I really want to encourage people that, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, your greatness isn't about you, right? And what I mean by that is that uh, we tend to stay in the shadows. You mentioned that before, um, even having all the evidence that you were powerful, as powerful as you are. Um you still were committed to being invisible and staying in the shadows and and not using that. Um, because we have those conversations about not being enough for who we actually are. Yeah. And so, um, when I say that, um, our greatness isn't about us is that the things that, that make us great, the things that, that we are capable of, of doing and creating, um, is really not for us It's for the world to see possibility in us as well. Mm. Um, it encourages people to come out of the shadows themselves and they see you um and so yeah somebody somewhere is waiting for you to realize that and so um just be great and do what you do what you came here to do come get what you came here to get um, and pursue life in the in the way that only you can pursue it because you're only uh, one person we we talk about life being short but It's the longest thing you or I are going to experience as individuals. My life is the longest thing I'm ever going to experience, so I get to pursue it in a way that um, is the experience that I want to to have. That's that's that's,
0: hey, you you are saying you didn't write anything down, but that 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 counts, man. That counts. That counts. And for everyone listening, if you want to hear the whole gist about my being. Uh, choosing to be Invincible, it's on Patreon. So, yeah, that's why you should join. Get all the exclusives there. <laughs> so, once again, umbana that's how we say thank you in Ija, my language, uh, my mother tongue. I don't speak it all the way, but I know some basics. But I also know Barang, which is from the Manjaco people. And I've gotten a lot of thank yous. I, learned, I pick up all the thank yous from different people who've been on this podcast. So, that, that's my way of saying thank you for coming on the show. Uh, please. Um, do you have any plugins you'd like to give and uh, let the people know how they can find you and how to connect with you.
1: Sure. I'm on Instagram, um, you wouldn't know it, but I am there. Uh, coach underscore Talib uh, and Afros and Audio. Um, A-F-R-O-S-A-N-D-A-U-D-I-O. Um, everywhere, Afros com. We also have a, a creative branch, a podcast network, Vanguard. Podcast Network, Vanguard PN, where you'll find original uh, podcasts um, by myself and um, some of the people that I work with, Latrice, Samson Richard being one of them. We have a new podcast called Stories All Around Us, and I've um, just produced season one of the Turnaround Podcast, uh, which is a storytelling podcast. We're very much um, encouraged by the stories of others and I uh, want to make sure that we provide a platform for people to tell their stories. Fantastic
0: and you've already had Latrice on this podcast fantastic woman and these are people Talib and Latrice amongst the people that I look up to you've seen why so come back next week for another episode thank you for the privilege of your company thanks for listening to White Label American if you enjoy the show we'll appreciate if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at whitelabelamerican. Thank you for your support.